are listening to Over Under, a sports talk podcast with Craig Mesmer, Mike Schatzer. And once again, we're joined by Luke Schatzer. Gentlemen, let the madness begin. How are you guys doing? Happy Tuesday evening, Craig. How are you? Very well. Doing good. Doing good. Tournament is underway. We're down to we're down to the Sweet 16. So we've gone from, I would say 64, but really 68, I guess, when you count the play-in games and all the those those first few games. So we'll, we're down to the 16 teams. This is getting to now the real interesting part of the tournament. What are your thoughts? Let me pose it to you real quick. Give me, give me a one-minute uh, recap of what you've seen so far and what you like and what you didn't like about the tournament so far. Well, you know, I, I, I like the, the one day later this year than last year. So, like, watching basketball last night on a Monday night, watching some really good games last night. It was nice to watch basketball. You know, Luke, what did you say today, Luke, about TV tonight? There's nothing on till Saturday. I have no college basketball to watch till Saturday. So I'm going to be so bored at night. You can, well, you can watch some NIT games. Yeah, but that's nothing compared to March Madness. You're right. So, you know, enjoy the one day later. Saw some great games. Saw some teams stumble. Saw, you know, the, the, the traditional upsets. What do you think, Craig? I thought it was a good tournament so far. I mean, I think that when you look at the tournament, I think most people like the first two days, which, look, first two days are great. There's no question about it. I'm. I, we're actually getting to the point now, this is the part of the tournament I like the best. I love the part the middle part of the tournament when you go from sweet 16 to the final four, because here's where I think where you get, you know, it's great when you get a two over a 15, you get those big upsets, but they don't happen that often. This to me is the meat of the tournament where the pretenders are gone. The contenders are still here and you get those really interesting matchups because you've seen some of these teams win a couple games or in Oregon's case, win one game or in UCLA's case, win three games. Right. But you get a sense of, Who's really priming themselves up for a final four and maybe a title run while you get some great upsets in the first round. You also get some stinker games and, you know, now now we're to the point that all the games should be competitive. So I really like this part of the tournament even better than the first two days. I I know most people will say, just give me the first two days, 16 games each day. I thought it was a good start, especially that first day you had Oral Roberts knocking off Ohio state. And look to me, they're the, they're the story of the tournament right now so far. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, huge upset, you know, Oral Roberts. I mean, it, like, looks like, where's that? I said, I think I said, I think it's in Oklahoma. So I did some Tulsa, research. Oklahoma. It's in Tulsa. I was like, how about Oral Roberts? I mean, that's, that's huge for that school. I mean, it's small a very, school, like 4,000 people are a very small school. Very, very strict fundamentalist Christian university. So I'm sure they're not having any, they don't, they don't have a Lindbrook off the, off the campus of uh, yeah. Oral Roberts, I'm sure. But, you know, and they have real strict rules about like, fraternization with men and women so a little different you know that i'm used to but it is what it is but what do you think about all these double digit teams still in the sweet 16 i mean you got number let's see here you got number 15 oral roberts you got number 12 oregon state you got number 11 syracuse which that you know that's a feel-good story being uh, us both being dads of sons who play basketball you know buddy Bayheim, buddy Bayheim, yep. you know uh doing some things for his dad you know coming back you know uh, 11 seed and they're in a sweet 16 and that's how they do it at Syracuse I guess they want to be the most dramatic they could possibly be uh you got 11 seed UCLA who's tough you know UCLA is a good team the Agassar brothers said make sure you took Buddy Bayheim for at least one you know give him a, a shout out the guy's been a player of the tournament so far in some ways I mean and here's the thing about Syracuse if you don't go they play the same way all the time they never come out of their zone 
No. Which makes it very. And here's why I like college. Just aside real quick. Here's why college basketball is better than the NBA, because you can play a zone. You press. You see, it's not just everybody plays the same way. You have teams that have identities, whether it's a team that presses full court, whether it's a team that, you know, runs a, a zone all the time. Bayheim never comes out of the zone. And if you don't get off to a fast start against Syracuse, they're going to kill you. They're going to get the momentum. They're going to get the confidence going. And between the discipline they have in playing their zone and the length that they have, and when all of a sudden, you know, who did they play in the first round? I think it was the San Diego, San Diego State, State, I believe, right? Yep. You start, you know, you're one of 10 from behind the arc. It starts creeping in your head that that zone just starts wearing on you and wearing on you. You start pressing. You start just taking bad shots. And all of a sudden, you look up, you're down 28 to 10, and you feel like the basket is about the size of, you know, a soup can. You can't put anything in it. So right. I think I think it's, you know, Syracuse is a very interesting team. We've seen them as high as a number two seed and lose in the first round. Right. We've seen Bayheim take some teams there that, you know, oh, they just kind of snuck in and all of a sudden they go on these great runs. And the guy's been there forever. His kid's playing great. He's hitting tons of shots. And like you said, at, from a dad's point of view, there's got to be nothing better that you're coaching a team into the Sweet 16 and your son is there hitting every big shot to make it happen. Well, to, to please your buddies, I mean – I heard Jim Beheim say this, and maybe it's just the dad talking, but he said, Buddy Beheim is the hardest working player he's ever coached. I was like, hmm. He said, you know, Pearl Washington was pretty good. Now, maybe not most talented, but he said the hardest working kid he's ever coached in Syracuse is Buddy, Buddy Beheim. Just the way his work ethic and practice every day makes himself better, you know, good teammate. So that's a feel good story. And I'm not a Syracuse fan. Right. Although I have seen Syracuse play live. I saw Billy Owens from Carlisle PA play at Syracuse against Georgetown at the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland, back in like, I don't know, 89, 88, maybe 90. But, um, you know, Syracuse has to be a, a feel-good story. Loyal of Chicago. I mean, Sister Jean, 176 years old out there, that, you know, still out there. <laughs> you know. And we said, we said that matchup was going to come to fruition. You know, Illinois is the one seed. Loyola of Chicago, obviously the in, big in-state rival is the eight seed. They set it up this way. It's not a coincidence that they ended up meeting in that second. <laughs> they would always do it. They would always put big name teams as the eight. They're never the seven. They're never the 10. They're either an eight or a nine. That's why Caroline and Wisconsin were both there to give the one, one seed, you know, some drama going into that first Saturday. Well, usually Saturday and Sunday. It's still a little weird for me that, you know, this Thursday and Friday, we don't have the Sweet 16 starting. We've got to wait till the weekend, and then it spills over into Monday and Tuesday. But, you know, it is what it is. We understand why. Um, real quick, just back to Oral Roberts. They beat Ohio State. Then they went out and beat Florida. You couldn't talk about, you know, Oral Roberts being so small, so tiny. They beat two of the biggest programs and biggest schools. If you talk NCAA Division I college sports, there's not many schools that probably have bigger budgets and more student athletes than Ohio State and Florida. And right. here comes little Oral Roberts knocking them off. They're a great story. Um, Luke, I know you're not happy that Texas Tech lost. They put up a good fight there. Let's hear from you a little bit. What are your thoughts on the opening couple days of the tournament and on Texas Tech? Yeah, about Texas Tech there. I was watching the game. We just got home maybe the last minute of the game. And I was watching, and there was maybe 12 seconds left. They were down two, down three. And they were bringing, up the ball, bringing the ball up the court, and they didn't give Matt McClung the ball. He had maybe three clutch shots this season, and they didn't give him the ball, and they lost the game, which it could have been a foul at the end there on that layup, but not getting your probably your best one-on-one -on -one player on the team the ball at the end of the game hurts you and costs them the game. Hmm. 
Well, interesting. Who, who do you like so far? Like, what, what team has really stood out to you? You know, Oregon did impress me at school when I was watching the game against Iowa. Notice he uh, said at school. They were watching it at school. That's that's our that's our public tax dollars in Oldham County going to work or watching basketball. <laughs> so tell me Kentucky's not basketball crazy, even when they're – Oh, God. You know, Kentucky, anyway, Indiana, going. North Carolina, yeah. The that's three. right. Yeah, I liked Loyola, Chicago. Oregon State and Ethan Thompson looked really well. And then John Petty and Bama finally woke up in the second half last night. And I think if John Petty plays well and Herb Jones, they all play well. Bama's dangerous. I mean, yeah. they, they shoot the ball like crazy. You know, they, they almost scored 100 points in the game and probably could have if they were being – if they had somebody chasing them a little bit closer. I'm sure they kind of took their foot off the, the acceleration at the end there. Um, they're scary good. Uh, anybody, can anybody beat Gonzaga? I mean, to me, watching these teams play – now, look, anybody's beatable. They remind me in many ways – not their, necessarily their style of play, but they remind me of 1991 UNLV just in terms of – Damn, if they play their game, nobody's going to beat them. They got the most talent on the court. I think it's quite obvious. But what do you guys think about Gonzaga watching them the first couple of days? Well, if, if the Zags are going to get beat, it's going to be – if Oregon can take care of USC – you know, I didn't realize this. USC ha has the tallest team on average. Their average height at USC is six foot eight. okay? That's long. That's the average height. So – if USC, yeah, USC Oregon game should be a good matchup. I don't know how they fared in the Pac-12 this year, um, but I think Oregon gives Gonzaga a good look. Maybe USC. I don't think Creighton's just you know they they barely got got through the first round. You know, you 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 Cal Santa Barbara, you know, gave them a little bit of a tussle, and then Ohio University. You know, Amy's she went to college at OU for one year. Her first year of college, she went to OU, so she was psyched. You know, when, when they beat Virginia, we were there to watch that. We stayed home to watch that game. Um, you know, Creighton get, pushed them around in that game, you know, last night, the OU game. But, uh, you know, I don't think Gonzaga has much trouble with Creighton. If Creighton gives them a, a tussle there, I, I, I'd be surprised. I think right. Gonzaga struggles with USC or Oregon, one of those two teams, will give them fits. Uh, then, you know, you're looking at Alabama, Gonzaga, if, if it works out that way, you know. That could be a fun game. Yeah, you know, Alabama's got to get through UCLA, which I don't think they'll have too much problems with. UCLA is, yeah, it's not the UCLA of John Wooden, of course. But, you know, Michigan plays Florida State, or as my mother-in-law calls them, Flast. You know, so <laughs> you know, funny story. We were watching football one day. This is years ago. We are watching college football, and I'm in the kitchen. I was like, Diane, who's winning? She goes, Flast. I'm like, who the hell is Flast? And we were watching the Florida State. I'm like, Florida State. So Michigan Flast. That should be an interesting matchup. I like Leonard Hamilton. I think he's probably one of the best coaches in the. Yep, the I tournament. agree. We talked about that. Yeah, I think you know, Michigan loses that game. I think Florida State's going to beat him. I think. Uh, I don't know. It hasn't. It hasn't obviously been a good tournament for the Big Ten. It's been a terrible tournament for the ACC. Yeah. Um, and then you got the other side of it: is the Pac-12 ever going to lose? I mean, they just seem to every team they roll out there. They, uh, other than them, they're going to somebody's going to have to lose when Oregon plays USC. Right. But other than that, it doesn't seem like they're losing much. Look, USC is a very talented team. You mentioned. I didn't realize they're, you know, taller, average height than any. They have some major players on that team. And, by the way, they just blew the heck out of Kansas. They blew them off the yeah. court. Kansas yeah. has the three seed. You know, we talked about Bill Self. We talked about, hey, you know, Kansas sometimes doesn't show up in a tournament, but maybe this year they'll come in a little under the radar. You know, not happening. I mean, Kansas got embarrassed in that game. Bill Self came out and said, we got to get faster. We got to get better players. We, they literally couldn't compete with USC. Now, look, mm -hmm. it's one game. They play again two days from now. It could be a different outcome we understand that but i think it's pretty damning when you're and, and, and here's here's a theme i'm noticing with bill self i go back to the first note i wrote down on this tournament went back to the play-in games what happened to tom Izzo? right 
I mean, I'm watching Michigan State, UCLA, and again, it ends up going to overtime. So anybody could have won, either team could have won the game, an extra foul shot, an extra three that rims out, whatever it might be. So I'm not trying to make it sound like they lost by 40. But Izzo, to me, used to be one of the real elite coaches, a top three to five coach in college basketball. His team barely squeaked in at 15 and 12. They couldn't even cover the pick and roll in that game. I mean, they had more talent than UCLA. I don't think there's any question about that. They couldn't cover the pick and roll. They're chomping at each other. They're screaming at each other. He's almost physically fighting with his players as they're walking into the locker room, which guess what? If they come out in the second half and they blow him out by 20, okay, Izzo's got his finger on the pulse and he's motivating his team. But when they come out and they give the game up, I just wonder, is Tom Izzo and some of these coaches, you know, with uh, at Kentucky, the one and done coaches, these, these coaches at major programs, have they lost a little bit of the edge because they don't have the cohesiveness of these guys staying year after year after year? Well, we talked about this uh, probably one of our first episodes. We talked about the tournament senior leadership, these teams that have senior. I mean, look at Alabama. They got two or three key seniors, John Petty, Alex Reese, two big seniors. I mean, Reese is a senior comes off the bench, hit a couple big threes last night. The teams that have seen, like Gonzaga, always has a couple guys that are seniors. And who's the dude for Gonzaga with the with the huge mustache? Timmy. Uh, that Tim. Tim. Timmy. Yeah, Timmy. Uh, that dude. And he, he and he was supposed to go to Oklahoma, who they just beat. He was a major recruit. Luke, wasn't that right? I know. I know you know a lot of these, um, the recruits and the guys coming in. And didn't they yeah. say he was gonna like? They, like, was he gonna go to Oklahoma? And at the last yeah. second, he jumped to Gonzaga. Yeah, they were big on him at Oklahoma, and he really liked Oklahoma. And at the last second, he switched and went to Gonzaga. Well, yep. his mustache game is strong. I must say that, you know, <laughs> but you know, I'll tell you, here's the coach that I think has done the best job and he only lasted one game. That's my, that's the dude, Ricky P Ricky Patino. He had Iona. They were going to beat Alabama. I mean, they were up by one at halftime. Alabama got a few lucky shots and that one dude for Iona, the, the little point guard, he went cold in the second half, but that right. dude hits 50% of his shots in the second half. They beat Alabama running. I mean, I was like, we are going to lose this game. You know, Ricky P knows how to get his kids motivated. I mean, five teams. Patino's a great coach. He's a pro. He builds programs. I mean, he had that Kentucky squad back in the midnight, mid to late nineties. I know they only won one championship there, but they were a really loaded team year after year after year. He brought a Providence team to the final four that had no business being anywhere near the final four. He basically trademarked. We're going to shoot the three. We talked about in our episode 87 tournament was the first one with the three-pointer, and Rick Patino was the biggest advocate of we're just going to shoot the lights out. You know, 10, 15, 20 years before it came fashion. Everybody shoots threes now. And yeah. they've even, you know, watching these games, you realize where the three-point line used to be. Luke, if just to give you a little history lesson, so to speak, that three-point line in college used to be two feet closer. It was at the top of the circle above the free-throw line. That's where the th- – so imagine if it was still there. I mean, guys would be bombing. They wouldn't shoot anything but a three. Yeah, (laughs) they had to move that line back because the guys are they're bigger, they're stronger. They're just able to knock it down from 25 feet like it's nothing. But yeah, you're right. Patino's a a tremendous coach. We know Coach Oates, speaking of the three point line, he has a a special painting on his floor of a four point line that tells the guys to shoot from there in the game and then take two steps closer, you know, in the game. Mm. They shoot from the four point line in practice. He says, take two steps forward and shoot it from there for the three and you're guaranteed to make it. That's why they they shoot threes. Like, you know what? I said this before about Alabama. You're going to live by the three, and you're going to yep. die by the three. And John Petty didn't play well Saturday against Iona. They almost got beat last night. He hit some big buckets, showed some enthusiasm. They played well. I mean, so they're, they're dangerous. I mean, any, any disappointments in the first round? 
besides well, here's, well here's a here's a disappointment tell me if you guys saw this game and for me it actually ended up being a bright spot because i picked when we did our final four and you know who do you think is going to win i picked houston over gonzaga i just have a feeling about houston i don't know why exactly i can't explain it i just i just but they were dead and done they were playing rutgers and i'm from jersey so i'm watching i'm gonna say good here's Here's, you know, uh, the irony of it is Rutgers, the one team from New Jersey, you know, you have Seton Hall, you have Princeton. Now Rutgers is going to be the Jersey team that's going to knock my team and bust up my bracket. <laughs> they had, I don't know if you guys saw the game, that Rutgers coach, no offense, he blew the game for that team. They were up eight, nine points with about three, three and a half minutes left. They were controlling the game, no problem. And then what did he do? Took the air out of the ball, decided to hold it for one shot every time down, completely changed the momentum in the game. Chatter, it was like watching a team go into their prevent defense. And all it does is prevent you from winning. Yep. You're playing a game and for 37 minutes, you have your foot on the accelerator. You're going full speed and you're beating a very talented team by eight or nine points. Why, why would you change it? I understand you get the 45 seconds left in the game. You want to start milking the clock and counting literally how many possessions it's going to, you can't do that with three and a half minutes left in the game, three and a half minutes in a college basketball game is an eternity yeah. with all the timeouts. And it's going to be a foul shooting content. And, and there's another Houston gave him every chance because Houston missed a whole bunch of foul shots at the end too. And right. Rutgers still blew it. And I felt really bad for them. And, and you could almost feel it slipping away. Just like when you watched Atlanta up 28 to three, blow that super bowl. You can almost at times just feel the momentum and the air coming out of the balloon. And you just say it, it's coming and look, it helped my bracket. Cause my, my champion is still alive. <laughs> um, but I, I felt really bad for the Rutgers kids. They had that game. That coach did a really, really bad job. The last five minutes of that game. Well, you know, go back to free throw shooting. Oral Roberts is the best free throwing free throw shooting team in the country. Like yep. percentage wise, they're like 82%, which doesn't sound great, but disciplined, a disciplined team. Yeah. They also have, or Roberts also has the number one scorer in NCAA basketball right now too, which is helping them a lot. Yeah. We, we talked about it when we were preview, we said, you know, we didn't exactly pick them, but we said, Hey, they're, they, they could be very dangerous as a 15. And if Ohio state takes them lightly or starts missing some shots, you know, Oral Roberts could be dangerous. Did we think they'd be in the sweet 16? Probably, probably not. I, I can't imagine many people had them there, but guess what? They're there. Well, you and know, here's, here's what the, here's, yeah, here's what the tournament is about to me. The first two days, it's about the upsets. The, after that, when you get into the next two days, now the stories start to build. Now, even though Oral Roberts won as a 15 seed, that was their upset. To me, now they're beating Florida. It's, it's still an upset, but it's not like one of those day one. Now Oral Roberts is starting to become a story. And that's why I like this part of the tournament is because now the stories lead into the matchups and the best games of the tournament as teams are fighting to get to the final four. You know, if a team gets to the final four, even if you lose in the final four, you get blown out. You can say, Hey, we may just like getting to the sweet 16 is an accomplishment. You get to the final four and you win your region. That's a major accomplishment. So you're going to see these teams playing all out. You're going to see these coaches with a ton of pressure on them. And are they going to do what the Rutgers coach did? Are they going to be able to step up? Is there going to be a guy hitting their foul shots? Are they going to miss an easy layup? You know, what's going to happen in these games? It makes it fascinating to watch. To me, these are the best games of the tournament is coming up in this upcoming weekend. Well, you know, and here's I'm, I want to take an angle from the coaching look at it. All right. So some of these teams played Sunday. They don't play again until Saturday. So they're all quarantined basically in Indianapolis or wherever in Indiana for the next four or five days. That's a different schedule for these kids. I mean, there's a lot of downtime. 
I mean, I'm all about having your team prepared and watching film and scouting reports, but sometimes you can give your kids too much information. And, you know, Luke was telling me about how many, how much clothing these kids got for free from all these different vendors and stuff to wear during the weeks or so that they're going to be quarantined up there in Indianapolis. Oh, kids are out of their element. I mean, these coaches have a lot of pressure to Mm -hmm. win. I mean, now Oral Roberts, their coach, I don't think he has any pressure. He wasn't even supposed to be here. You know, he's like Dante on the movie Clerks. I wasn't even supposed to be here. You know, he's there and he's going to enjoy the run. He's got four or five days to get this team prepped. So, you know, it's, it's, they got a tough game. Arkansas is tough. Arkansas played really well. Arkansas is a very good team. I know you guys watched them a lot playing Alabama in the SEC. And they beat Alabama. Uh, they got a big guy, I forget number 10, I forget his name. The guy, uh, he's kind of their center, although nobody really plays at the traditional center. One of the, he, he looked like, Who's the guy in Nuggets? The Joker, Jokic, the yeah. big guy with the with the bounce passes, the outlet passes, tr- played really, really well. I was very impressed by Arkansas. So Oral Roberts is going to have a very tough matchup coming up, but you know they've had two other tough matchups, and then they're here, so you never know. Right, and we'll talk about the previews in our next segment. Yep. But, you know, uh, any dis- my disappointment from what I've seen, you know. Um, you know, teams like Purdue, like you said, the Big Ten, like Purdue was a good team and they got bounced by North Texas. You know, Purdue was a four seed, bounced by North Texas. Ohio State bounced in the first round by Oral Roberts. Uh, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, you know, they I thought they were doing a lot better than they did, you know, and Oregon State really came to play. You know, that orange and black versus orange and black game. I mean, that Oregon OSU versus OSU, you know, and, and my, my wife's cousin, Michael, is a big Beavs fan. He's out in the West Coast. You know, I'm sure he's loving this. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a big Oregon State baseball fan, but I'm sure now he's an Oregon State basketball fan. So, you know, I'm disappointed in the Big Ten. Texas. Uh, I'm di- really disappointed in Texas. Yeah, Shaka Smart. Or they three seed? Texas yeah. a three, I think. Yeah. And three seeds didn't fare very well in this tournament so far. I mean, I mean Arkansas Adam- is still there, but you had Kansas. They got blown out, embarrassed. Texas didn't do anything. You know, a lot of teams are just not there. Yep. I mean, hugs. You know, oh, Bob Huggins, I mean, you know, his, his heydays were behind him in Cincinnati. And you know, a lot of these teams, like you said, maybe it's the coaches. I mean, you got an old guy like Bob Huggins who, you know, he gets his team left to the tournament, but then he get beat by Syracuse. You know, they beat Moorhead State, and you know, Moorhead State was a Cinderella story. You know, that's, they were the only team from Kentucky to make the tournament was Moorhead State. So everyone, right. in the, everyone in Big Blue Nation were Moorhead State Eagle fans all of a sudden. Then they get beat, you know, by West Virginia, and then Syracuse handles them. But, you know, big, big, big 10 disappointment. I mean, now – Iowa played well, but you know, Oregon had a great game plan. They were not going to let Luke Garza, they were, they were going to let Luke Garza score his points. They were just going to shut everybody else down. So yep. he had like 36. The rest of the team scored like 26, you know, so. And they look slow. They look slow to me. And maybe it was because Oregon got kind of a free pass. You know, they were, who are they supposed to play? VCU. They right. came down with COVID. So Oregon, and maybe they were just so ramped up to play you know you have to play a game two days ago maybe your legs weren't quite there Iowa looked very slow to me I did feel that Luca Garza let's just give him a quick shout out the guy you know we talked about got senior leadership the guy was there for four years four-year starter played more than 125 games um he's a great college player what he's going to do in the pros who knows he's probably gonna be a second round pick he's kind of a dinosaur in a way in terms of that traditional low post big man he reminds me a little bit of Kevin Love you know, he can step out and make a shot. He can hit a three. Right. It's going to be a matter of, you know, does he have the, the foot speed and the quickness? Luke, what do you think? Is you, you, you got your finger on a pulse of NBA draft probably better than your dad and I do. <laughs> is Luca Garza potentially a first-round pick, or is he going to drop come draft time? 
It depends where the coaches look at him. I mean, it, are you going to go and work with him in the gym on his three-point shot like all the other centers do, or are you just going to put him in the post? Now, if you want him to be good and willing to shoot the ball on your team, I say he's a first-round pick. You go in and just work on him, shoot, shoot, shoot. Or you can drop to the third round and just be a post player and not not be able to shoot the ball. Well, I, like he did look a little slow. I mean, uh, I, I saw maybe it was Barkley or someone said in the post game that they don't think he's going to have a good NBA career. I'm like, dude, what did you say? He scored 3,000 points? Over 3,000 points. 3,000 points. And you said 120 games. That, that, you know, like, right. paid a lot, you know. So, I don't know. But I was, you know, I'm, I'm loving the tournament. I'm glad we're having it. I mean, it's it's been on our TV constantly. And we watched games. I mean, like Friday, I worked a half day and sat in front of the TV and watched basketball, you know. And it's funny you mentioned Barkley. I, I jot, you know, as we're watching these games, I'm jotting just a couple notes down and things like that so we can talk about. I don't know how you guys feel. I don't want to see Barkley. I don't want to see Kenny. I don't want to see these NBA guys doing college right. basketball with their usual NBA shtick and halftime of a blowout game. And they're, you know, dressing up Barkley in some outfit and Kenny Smith talking for. I want to see guys that are just talking about college basketball. College basketball to me is a two month window and it's very condensed. I'm not watching a lot of college basketball in December, Maui Invitational, Great Alaska Shootout and stuff like that. You're watching it, conference tournaments toward the end of the regular season, some games here or there. And then, of course, March Madness. I want to see guys that are just going to be all about the tournament and teaching me about, you know, tell me about some of the guys on Oral Roberts or on Oregon State or on, you know, Florida State's recruiting or whatever it may be. I don't need to see more of Charles Barkley hamming it up bring Shaq out or whatever they're going to do next. I don't know. Again, it's me being a grumpy old man. Yeah. I'm not crazy about them, you know, invading NCAA territory for well, their take. You know, Wally Zerbiak has disappeared for the last 15 years. He shows up on, I'm like, why Wally? I mean, he had a great career at Miami of Ohio, but why don't we get, you know, a, uh, a Fran Fraschilla or something like that coming in, a Seth Greenberg, you know, someone like that doing the NCAA. I know they work for ESPN, whatever, but you're right, you're right about Barkley. I mean, he is a ham. I mean, he's saying roll tide now. It's all over the memes. All these Auburn fans are up in arms and, you know, Kenny the Jet Smith and then the white dude with the bow ties and, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all a show. I mean, they got to fill in all that time between the games. So it is what it is. But I, I will say this, Indiana's done a good job hosting the tournament. As far as I can tell, there's been no hiccups, no glitches. No one's gotten hurt, no complaints. So, hey, let's, let's hope it continues. And, and, and it can't be an easy thing to, you know, to have all these teams coming from all over the country, have a, a different schedule than you'd normally have, you know, all the accommodate, all the stuff that goes behind the scenes that, you know, we're just watching the games, trying to pick who's going to win. or talk about, you know, the point guard matchup or something. Imagine all the logistical backdrop of what has to go into scheduling all this last thing i want to mention before we take a break and i want to get your guys thoughts on this too just to like we touched upon it before gonzaga to me is the best team in the tournament no doubt um i think when they're on their game and look oklahoma came out and got off to a very fast start and we're up eight ten points very early and i thought okay maybe they'll be on the ropes you know they haven't really been tested all year long Right. So maybe if a team can actually put a little pressure on them, they get in some foul trouble. They're down, you know, six points late in the game. Let's see how they're going to respond. They never got to that point. They handled it with aplomb. They were great. They just cool as a cucumber. Um, they're by far the best team in the in the tournament. Doesn't mean they're automatically going to win. But there's, you know, we talked about coaches, whether it's Bill Self, Tom Izzo, um, Coach Cal in Kentucky. Some of these guys might be losing their edge. Maybe Mark Few is going to all of a sudden be the up and coming, you know, the coach that everybody looks at. First of all, just the fact that he's getting all these guys to Gonzaga, recruiting the right guys. He's not, they're not going to Duke. They're not going to UCLA. They're not going to Kansas. 
a lot of these big name guys, we talked about, Luke talked about Timmy or whatever his name is, was supposed to go to Oklahoma and ends up going to Gonzaga. I mean, and, and the thing about Gonzaga that's amazing when you watch them play is the floor spacing. They're able to, to maximize every inch on that floor because they have great athletes that can handle the ball at multiple positions. And they got multiple guys that can shoot it from 25 feet. So instead of having to have the guys bunched up, you can have your two guard or your small forward or whoever's out there on the wing step back a couple extra feet. You can't get to the double teams. So either guys are going to be open because you're trying to double and you're not getting there in time, or you're going to get one-on-one matchups. And they're hitting these 25-foot jumpers. NBA, they look like Clay Thompson. Every one of them looks like Clay Thompson shooting the ball. I mean, to me, if, if, unless somebody can really shake them and make them you know, start chirping at each other, it's going to be very hard to see Gonzaga losing. But that's why we watch. I felt the same thing about 1991 UNLV. They were the defending champs. They beat Duke by 30 points the year before in the finals. And guess what? Duke got their revenge in the final four and knocked off the undefeated running rebels with Larry Johnson and Stacey Augman. And they were by far the best team in the country that year. So you never know. Anybody can get picked off, but what's we'll see what the, happens. What's the guy's name from Gonzaga that from Lake Minnehaha? What's his name? Uh, Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs. That kid was a hell of a football player. Like he could have went to college and played football. And, that, and this guy's a freshman at Gonzaga. He'll probably go pro after this year. He'll be a Top ten pick. Yeah, sure. Is he the point guard? Is he the kid? Where's number one? I think. Yeah, point guard? yeah, he's and, good. He's a good player. And his teammate from last year at Minnehaha, Chet Holmgren, the seven footer, number one ranked in the class this year, is verbal to Gonzaga right now too. Hmm. So I'd look out for that team next year. Well, here's the thing about Mark Few, and I'll end it on this. Mark Few's father was a minister at the same church for 54 years. Okay. And they asked Mark Few, like, do you want to leave? Not do you want to leave Gonzaga? But like, he's like, I'm staying. Like, he doesn't want to go anywhere but Gonzaga. Now, all this hard work he's done for the last 20 years is paying fruition. Like I said, I remember watching Gonzaga play in the National Championship game. Was it against Duke? Uh, did Gordon Hayward go to Gonzaga? No, that was Butler. That was Butler. That was Butler. Uh, Butler when he, when he missed that end, end of the end of the game half court shot, it just right. rimmed out. Yeah. I mean, small schools like that, like Butler has football, but they're like one double A non-scholarship football. So they're a basketball school. Gonzaga doesn't even have football. They're a basketball school and they're putting Seattle or where are they Tacoma where they put or Spokane, wherever they're from up there, Washington, put them on the map. He's, he's built a great thing. And you now Mark few has been there for like, I would say 18, 20 years. So, you know, he's been there a while and he, but he's bringing in fresh recruits. And remember, Butler got to the championship game back-to-back years, and their coach, Brad Stevens, parlayed that into a multi-million dollar contract. You know, he's now the coach of the Celtics. That's not an easy job to get. So you go from Butler to the head coach of the Celtics, that's quite a jump. Now, like you said, maybe Few is going to be a guy that we look back 10, 20 years from now, and, you know, he spent 30 years at Gonzaga and won a couple championships and really, you know, built the program. I think there's definitely something to be said for that, just like there's something to be said for these teams that have, Senior leadership, guys that stay three and four years. This one and done stuff. I'm not a big yeah. fan of it. Well, so I'm I, I'm I'm fine watching these teams go out early or not even make the tournament because to me it wrecks college basketball to have guys come for a year and then bolt for the NBA. NBA should just let them come in as you know right out of high school. Then anyway, what's the difference? What, right. What's the point of having to go for college for a year? They're not taking any classes. They're not doing anything. It's it's basically a minor league system to enter the NBA. You know, they made Zion play at Duke for one year. What did that prove? Right. That he could dunk on everybody and blow his shoe out. And then he's in the yeah. NBA anyway. So great. <laughs> Let him just go right off at 18 years old. LeBron did fine with it. Right. And, and Kobe. Yeah. And or they'll start seeing kids going to the G League. 
You know, that as the, right. as the true minor league system, they're going to earn a paycheck. I mean, yeah, pro or college athletes get a stipend, but not like a paycheck like you would get from the G League or, you know, whatever. So I agree, you know, good coaching beats good talent. I don't care what anyone says. I mean, Mark Few, and he always has one or two, like, yeah, the, the Suggs kid's really good, but he's got a lot of good role players on that team. Like, it's like you don't know, like, I know that Timmy's name because of his mustache, not because of his talent. But a kid can play. I mean, he's got solid. He, yep. He, they develop talent there at Gonzaga. You know, John Stockton days. I mean, you know, old Stock from Gonzaga. He was the the pipeline. You know, with the short shorts. But I mean, either way, I, I, they're they're twenty eight zero right now, dude. They have, someone has yet to beat them. You know, Baylor two losses. They looked pretty good against Wisconsin. Wisconsin, you know, handled North Carolina pretty handily. You know, so but we'll talk about Baylor more later. So. You know, so far so good. I think the tournament. I've I've been pleased. I've enjoyed it. I haven't. You know, my my bracket my bracket's still perfect because I didn't fill one out. You know, of all the talk we've done about this, I did not fill out a bracket out. So my bracket is perfect. So I feel good about that. You know, so Luke, I know you were filling out a ton of brackets. What, you you got any that are still in major contention? You have any of your brackets? You got all your Final Four teams alive or anything like that? Or how are yours looking? I do. There's still some team. I still have three of the four teams actually some of my brackets have all four teams still in it including gonzaga baylor houston and alabama or michigan too i mean i had illinois winning a tournament and maybe a few fun of horse but nothing too much with them i had them losing to houston because houston really impressed me against cincinnati in that conference championship but i mean most of my brackets i mean some of the like round of 64 games really hurt me but a lot of the big teams left for me are still in it that's good all right, well, gentlemen, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Let's come back. We reviewed what's happened so far to get from 64 down to 16. Let's take a look at how we're going to get from 16 to four as we go from the sweet 16 to the final four. This is over under. We'll be back after a short break. And we are back to Over Under Sports Talk Podcast. I'm Mike Shatcher with my co-host Craig Mesmer and our special guest, our recurring special guest, the only 15-year-old I know that does podcasting with his dad and his dad's buddy. So welcome back to our part two of our Sweet 16 breakdown. We've talked about what we liked in the first half. Now we're going to talk about the matchups coming up, Mez. So give me your first marquee matchup of the Sweet 16. Well, let, let, let's first talk about real quick. I want to mention when you look at who's in the Sweet 16 and who's not in the Sweet 16, I think is in some ways the story of this tournament. Yes, UCLA is there. Syracuse. Gonzaga has been good, but doesn't have, you know, a hundred year tradition. Here are the teams that are not there. So we got the Sweet 16. Let's call this the Sour 16. Duke, <laughs> North Carolina, Kentucky, Louisville, Kansas, Indiana, Michigan State. Georgetown, Yukon, Ohio State, NC State, Cincinnati, Florida, Maryland, Virginia, Arizona. Those schools, those are 16 schools. They've combined for 47 national championships. Not a single one of them is in the Sweet 16. But we got Oral Roberts. We got Creighton. We got Oregon State. Loyola of Chicago. We got, you know, Alabama. Schools. Alabama, you think of schools that are more traditionally. We got USC, Alabama, Florida State, Michigan. It's like you know, the final four in college football, it's, it makes for a very interesting sweet 16. Um, all right, let's take it region by region. Okay. Let's start in the West. Let's start with the number one overall seed. We've talked about them a lot. Gonzaga's going up against Creighton. 
we talked about Creighton in terms of, I liked them going into the tournament about three weeks ago. Then the coach made some comments that didn't go over very well, made some racially insensitive comments that seemed to divide the team a little bit. Creighton has since pulled it back together. You know, they very easily could have gone out as a five seed. Five seeds lose in the first round quite often. So the fact that they're here in a sweet 16, maybe Creighton is kind of putting it together. We've talked about the fact they have good guard play. They can shoot it. Now, look, they got a monumental task ahead of them with Gonzaga. And the other matchup in that region is going to be a Pac-12 matchup. Still getting used to saying Pac-12 instead of (laughs) Pac-10. USC against Oregon should be a very entertaining game. What do you guys see? Just any thoughts on those two games out in the West region? Yeah, you know, uh, I watched the Creighton-Ohio game last night, and Creighton looked really well in their big man number 13, Bishop. I couldn't catch his first name, but dude was dunking everything. A lob, left-handed dunk everything and then their point guard I can't pronounce his last name but he really shot the ball well and Ohio cannot stop them they look good but how good will they look against Gonzaga yeah I I think it's a no-brainer but what do I know I mean if Creighton upsets Gonzaga it's the upset of the tournament forget about Oral Roberts you know he's gone it's gonna this will be the upset of the game but I I I like the USC Oregon matchup I think it's gonna be a good game and like I said USC that Mobley kid that Evan Mobley he's tough they say he's a he's a lottery pick for from USC. So you know he didn't get a lot of publicity. You know on the East Coast, I'm sure the West Coast people knew all about him. But you know Mobley kid's pretty good. So I, I like that USC Oregon State or Oregon game. I'm sorry, I'm going to take Oregon in this one. I think Dana Altman does a great job with the Ducks. And you know they played fast yesterday. They played really fast against Iowa. Like you said, maybe they were they rested. They didn't have to play that extra game against VCU, which they probably would have won anyways. But you know USC is going to give them a, a Mobley kid's tough. But I like I like Oregon in that one. Maybe USC will be the one team that with their length, with their overall athleticism, with their size and everything like that, and some of their star power, maybe they're the one team in that region that could actually give Gonzaga a run for their money. You know, if they come out and they just say, hey, we're the sixth seed, you know, if they play Gonzaga, they've now made it to the elite eight. They're now three and oh in the tournament. Maybe they're saying at that point, we're playing with house money. We're a sixth seed. We're only supposed to win one game, maybe two. We're now one game away from the final four. We can let it all hang out. They have guys athletically that can compete with Gonzaga, and not a lot of teams do. But, you know, USC really really showed me something. Fine, if you would have told me they're going to beat Kansas as a three seed, okay. You're going to tell me they're going to beat Kansas by 35 points or whatever it was? Kind of like what we talked about, you know, Houston beating Cincinnati in their conference final by 30, 35 points. When you spank a team like that that also has great athletes and, you know, a reputation and a major program, that really says something. I'm looking forward to that game. That's the the Gonzaga Creighton game is the first game of the day, and on that's Sunday. on Sunday. Yep. The USC Oregon game, I believe, is the last game that night. Right. So the West region is going to start the day and end the day. All right. So it's all about, you know, in the in the West, let's face it, like you said, it's going to be all about Gonzaga. Either they're going to come out, as everybody thought, or it's going to be the story of the tournament that they ended the season with one loss. Who can do it for them? All right. Let's go down to the East region. Let's go down. Below that, we got a bunch of very traditional football powerhouses and one traditional basketball. We got Michigan playing Florida State, and these games are also going to be on Sunday the 28th. Right. The second game of the day is going to be Michigan against Florida State. The third game of the day in between, you know, the Gonzaga matchup and the USC matchup, we're going to have UCLA against Alabama. Very fascinating couple games there in the east region what do you guys see playing out there 
Well, let's start with the Alabama-UCLA game. Like I said, you know, Alabama's fortunes go with John Petty. Now, they have a couple guys. This, this Quinterly kid can shoot the ball. Shackelford can shoot the ball. But if John Petty is leading his team, like this Herb Jones, I keep wanting to say Herf Jones, like the yearbook company, but Herb Jones, he was the uh, SEC player of the year, defensive player. He was all world for the, for Alabama this year. He, he's going to get his 20 points, his 10 rebounds. That's just that's what he does. You know, but if John Petty, who's I feel like has been there for like seven years, I mean, he's like on the on the on the super duper senior plan. You know, he's been there for a long time, four year senior. Alex Reese, four year senior, coming off the bench. They got this grad transfer from Harvard, who played pretty well earlier. Then he's been nicked up a little bit. You remember what that guy's name is? Bruner. Bruner. Uh, I, that's why I keep him around. He knows all the names. I know all the all the facts. He knows all the names. So you know, they they have a good nucleus of kids on that team. Uh, I like Alabama. They should be able to handle UCLA at eleven seed. But Michigan, you know, uh, Juwan Howard's doing a good job. You know, if he's not trying to fight the other team's coach or whatever. But, I mean, you know, I, I like, <laughs> like what he's doing with Michigan. You know, LSU, I thought LSU had a chance to beat Michigan last night. I really was pulling for LSU, being an SEC school. Uh, Florida State, I like Leonard Hamilton. Um, that game, you know, Florida State does have a lot of athletes. Uh, that could give Michigan some problems. Um, I think I think it's going to be Alabama, Florida State in the, in the East. What do you think? I, I agree. I think Alabama is just, and look, I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't watch Alabama play a lot this year. When you first brought up Alabama, I think they were like sixth or seventh in the country a month ago when you first started talking about Alabama. Um, it wasn't a team I had on my radar very much. Coming out of the SEC, you don't think of Alabama in terms of basketball. You've seen some other SEC teams in past tournaments um, be highly ranked. And, you know, I'm not talking about Kentucky. I'm talking about teams other than Kentucky or Florida when they had their great two-year run. But other SEC teams that eh, maybe they just had a lucky year. You know, SEC is not great in basketball. They're much more of a football conference. But I think Alabama right now is playing really good basketball. I think they have their confidence up. You brought up John Petty, so I just brought up his stats. Guys played over 130 games in college. That's a ton of games. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you talk about a guy that, you know, it's 86-86 with a minute left. You can put the ball in the guy's hands, and he's not going to, you know, I'm not saying he's going to automatically make the shot, but you know he's going to know what to do. He's going to be calm, cool, and collected, which is something that you definitely need. Um, in a point guard and a guy who's going to, you know, be handling the ball, running your offense, making some decisions out there. Uh, hometown kid from Huntsville, Alabama. Mm -hmm. um, big. I didn't realize Petty was that big. He's, he's thin, but, you know, the guy's got good length. It'll be interesting to see, too, where if he's going to fit in at the NBA level. You know, you see some of these guys that don't play much or don't have big names in college, and they end up going and having big NBA careers. And other guys, whether it's Luca Garza or some of these other, you know, they don't even sometimes they don't even get drafted. Uh, but I like Alabama in that matchup, and I definitely like Florida State. I was kind of on Florida State early on. I think they're better than a four seed. Um, the way the Big Ten has gone, look, Michigan, give them credit, Michigan is still there. They're kind of hanging on being that other one seed, in addition to Baylor and Gonzaga that everybody expected would be there. Um, Illinois is out. Michigan is hanging on as the last Big Ten team. But I think Florida State's going to beat them. I think they are better athletically. I think they can rebound. I think they can play better defense. And I just have a feeling it's going to be Florida State-Bama. Luke, what do you think? Yeah, I think Michigan loses that game because Jordan Livers doesn't play. That Livers dude, I don't think he played against LSU. And I know they won, but they won barely. The last, If they don't have that run in the last five minutes of the game, they don't win that game. 
And I do like Alabama in that game. If they, if they ride their seniors, they win the game and they shoot the ball well, they win. There you go. All right, let's go to the South region. And Saturday. now with Saturday. These are Saturday games. Um, we're going to start out with Baylor and Villanova. And Chats, Villanova is a team that you said you didn't think was going to be there. So let's give Jay Wright some credit. Yeah. You know, Jay Wright, Jay Wright used to get beat up for, oh, his, his team's a two seed and they got bounced early. He never does it in a tournament. The guys won multiple championships. I thought the Sixers should have made a run at him a couple of years ago and offered him a job to to run their team, but they didn't, whatever. He probably would have stayed at Nova anyway, but I just felt like the Sixers had a shot to go get him and they didn't take advantage of it. Hometown guy and everything like that. Right. They got a big challenge because Baylor is a very, you know, they can get up and down the court. They can smother you with their defense. They really don't have too many weaknesses. I'm not going to say they're on the level of Gonzaga because I don't think they shoot it quite the way Gonzaga does. And I'm not sure that the any coach right now is coaching any better than Mark Few. But Baylor is going to be a tough matchup for Villanova. I agree. I, I, I like Baylor. Now. You know, and like you said, I, I didn't give Villanova their props. I didn't think they were very good coming in. They were 16 and six. They struggled towards the end of the season. Had some mate, some big injuries. Losing your starting point guard right in the tournament time is tough, but they've overcome it. So like I said, Jay Wright's a good coach. He's done a great job. Maybe I overlooked him some. I mean, North Texas, they beat Purdue. Villanova handled them pretty good, but I think Baylor takes care of Villanova in the, in the South game on a Saturday, but you know, if now Villanova, like I said, Jay Wright has four or five days to get this team prepped. Hey, who knows? He is a good coach. He's a very good coach. Um, you know, Baylor played a tough Big Twelve this year, and they were they led. They were pretty much Oregon or Oklahoma State's the only team that really gave them much of a run in uh, in the Big Twelve. So, hey, who knows? What do you think, Luke? Baylor or Villanova? You know, I think I'm going to go with Villanova here. I know they're struggling with other point guard and stuff, but they're playing well right now. In the last couple of games in Baylor, if Jared Butler doesn't play well, their star player. I don't think they have anybody to go to, personally. He's always in the 15 to 25 range point game and leading that team to a win. And I, if I think Villanova shuts them down like they have a few days to prep for it, I think Villanova squeaks by with a close game win. So he's, he's calling the five the five seed over the one seed upset, Craig. What do you think? I, I, I'd be happy to see it. And look, I'm not a big Villanova guy, but we know a lot of people that are We've got a lot of friends from Philly. I'm not huge into Baylor. I don't know why I just can't get into that team. I like Gonzaga. I want to see Gonzaga. I'm hoping they're going to make the final four. Cause I think it would be a great matchup if they're going up against either Florida state, Alabama, you know, whoever, whoever's going to be there. And it could be Michigan, obviously um, could be UCLA. You never know, but I'm just thinking that I, I want to see Gonzaga get to that final four because then that becomes a story unto itself. Who can beat them? Are they going to go undefeated? That's when, for me, the pressure is really going to ramp up to Gonzaga. I think they're probably going to go on ice skates into the Final Four, but then all of a sudden, you know, you have a chance to sit on it for a few days. The momentum stops, and you got to get it started up again. You talked, Chats, about, you know, just the unique nature of the logistics of having a team stay there, all the ins and outs of coaching, you know, 20, 21-year-old kids, sometimes not even, sometimes 19-year-old kids, having them, you know, stay focused on the prize at hand. Um, I think that's when it's really going to tighten up for Gonzaga. That's when it tightened up for that 1991 UNLV team. I mean, that year, I keep going back to it, but there's just a lot of similarities. You know, he was blowing teams out all year, scored 117, 124 points, skating through the tournament, all of a sudden ran up against Duke, 79-77. Duke got their revenge for a, a, you know, a blowout the year before in the finals, and everybody was shocked when the 1991 running rebels were bounced from the tournament. Right. So it should be interesting. Um, Nova's a great story. 
especially if they can beat Baylor. They're going to go from a very good story to a great story if they can win this game. Here's the funny thing, too, real quick. Other than UCLA with their the 11th seed with their 11 championships, I think Nova's the only team left in the Sweet 16 that has more than one in their entire history. Wow. You know, you have Syracuse's won one. Uh, you have Oregon won the, the very first team that ever won the NCAA championship game was in 1930. It was Oregon. Um, you have, like I said, all these other teams, they've been there at times. They have some Arkansas's won one. Nova's won three. All of a sudden, other than UCLA, they're the, they're, they're the most prized, most storied uh, program that's left. And like we talked about, you look at all the ones that are just watching on the TV. That's where all the, that's where all the big programs really are. Right. Um, so shout out to Nova. All right, let's take, let's check well, the other game. Hold on. Before we move on, let's talk about Scott Drew, the Baylor coach, All right. His dad, Homer, was the head coach at Valpo. His brother, he coached at Grand Canyon. Football family, or sorry, basketball family, uh, that Baylor program was almost dismantled in 2003 or four, whenever they had a scandal with the murder and drugs and all that program was almost done. So you know, here we are 15, 16 years later, they're the number one seed or a number one seed in the tournament. Shout out to Scott drew. I mean, he's done a great job there. Turn that program around. Play, those kids play hard for him. I'll, I'll say that. So Jay Wright and, and, and the Nova Wildcats have their hands full, but I, I think Nova may squeak by on that one. Unless uh, Baylor just might come in and just smother them and take advantage of them not having their point guard, but that's going to be a good game. That's probably one of the better games on the, on the right side of the bracket, in my opinion, you know, gotcha. Uh, Arkansas, Arkansas, Oral Roberts. We talked about Arkansas being a dangerous team. They've been very competitive in, in a competitive SEC. Um, they, they got some big men that can play. They can shoot. They seem to play fast. They're going up against the Cinderella, the darling of the tournament so far, little Oral Roberts. They've knocked off Ohio State. They've knocked off Florida. They're going for another one of these big state schools in the University of Arkansas. Luke, what do you think? Can Oral Roberts pull yet another rabbit out of the hat and get to the Elite Eight? You know, I want to hop on that train there where they pull it off, but I don't think, I think Arkansas is just going to steamroll their way to the lead eight and possibly beat Baylor Villanova and head to the final four. I want to say Oral Roberts going to win. I agree. I just think they're, they're going to be tired, I guess, you know, just thinking ahead of themselves and thinking they're too good for everybody. And Arkansas is just kind of going to come in and just steamroll them. Well, you know, Arkansas really handled Alabama that played them. They split this year. And when they beat Alabama, they beat Alabama soundly. And they pound the ball inside. So if they can pound the ball inside on Oral Roberts, I think that they handle them. It is a feel-good story. And if Oral Roberts wins, great. You know, I don't think anyone has them picked this far. If 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 they if someone picked Oral Roberts this far, they're a, they're a genius. But you know, I think maybe maybe the Cinderella story, maybe the, maybe the shoe doesn't fit. You know, maybe maybe the clock does strike midnight here and their season's over. But if they do beat Arkansas, man, I tell you, that's a heck of a run. And then just keep and you know, if, if they beat Arkansas here, you almost have to pull for or, Oral Roberts to do well and be there. Now, I mean, what what's the chances of Oral Roberts coming to the championship game as a 15 seed? That's unheard of. I don't, Oral Roberts Baylor. How about if it's Oral Roberts Baylor with a shot to go to the fun? No one had that. And everybody had Baylor. No one had Oral Roberts right. winning three games in this tournament. I'm sorry. No one did. I'd like to know what the, who's the highest seeded team to win a championship. So that, that's I'd like to know who the highest seeded team was to ever win it all. Yeah, I think it's either Villanova or NC State. I think we're both about eight seeds when right. NC State knocked off Houston. Right. You know the 80, 83, I guess it was Villanova beat Georgetown in eighty five. They were about an eight seed. I don't think anybody ever 
with a bigger nut, what do you want to call them? A lower seed. Uh, yeah. No worst team has ever, has ever yeah. won the championship. I think it's still Villanova. We can look that up. Right. Well, 15 seed going that far. Oh, well that 15 would be un- unheard of. Absolutely. Yeah. That, Absolutely. You're playing with house money. Like you said. So, all right, let's move on down to Loyola of Chicago. Another feel good story. Sister Jean, 101 years old, still saying the rosary and praying for the boys and Oregon state. Another good story. I mean, I, I, Oregon state's played well. They're a 12 seed. Another double-digit seed in the in the Midwest, you know, another Pac-12 team, another Pac-12 team. That's you know, they're just they're winning. Um, here's an interesting little thing, and it's funny you brought up about. I mentioned I wanted to say something before, and you brought it up. You must be an educator because only an, another educator would know Herf Jones was a yearbook <laughs> company. As soon as you said that, I started laughing. But here's another thing: since we're both educators, let's do a quick, very quick history lesson. As I'm looking this up, Loyola of Chicago actually did win. Did win the entire thing one year back in 1960. Hang on. 1963. It was played in Louisville, Kentucky. The game went to overtime. They beat Cincinnati in the final. Cincinnati was going for their third consecutive title. They won two with Oscar Robertson years before 61 and 62. Um, They were up going for their trifecta. Loyola of Chicago knocked them off in Louisville, Kentucky in a championship game in overtime. I never realized that Loyola of Chicago, when we were talking about, you know, Arkansas won one, Syracuse has a title under their belt. Loyola of Chicago also has a title under their belt. I never knew that. So there you go. Learn that. There you go. Good. Should be a good matchup. Um, they were the Cinderella story a few years ago, two years ago, I guess it was. I think as an eight seed, you know, they either, were an 11 seed then. They were an 11 seed. That's, a, you know, that's a, as an eight seed, you're not really, they have every right to be here, I think. Um, my point is, you know, this is not going to be some crazy upset. They might be favored in this game. I don't know. I haven't seen the betting lines, but, you know, they're an eight. They're playing Oregon State is a 12. One of these teams is going to be in the elite eight with a shot to get to the final four. The Midwest is turning into other than Houston being there that a lot of people expected. You got an eight, a 12 and an 11 as three of the four teams left in that region ends up being a very wide open region in the Midwest. Should be a fun game. Um, I I can't say that Loyola of Chicago is playing with house money. I agree. Oral Roberts is, they could lose by 50 and it was still a great tournament for them. They're playing a three seed. They've already knocked off two major programs. They weren't supposed to be there at all. Now, they should have, should they have been a 15? Probably not. They should have been a, probably about a 13 or a 12 seed, but whatever. But Loyola of Chicago right now, I think if they lose this game, they're going to look at it as a major disappointment. They can absolutely play with Oregon State. They just beat the number one seed in their region in Illinois. So they got to be looking at this saying we can get there. Very good. Interesting story. Um, I think Loyola of Chicago is going to win that game. I think that they have a little bit more history. I think they have a little bit more experience in these games. And I look for them to get past Oregon state with a shot to get to the final four. Well, you know, Loyola Chicago is a six and a half point favorite betting line over under 125 and a half. But uh, you know what, Oregon State, you know, they might reach back and get the power of the glove, if you know who I'm talking about. Well, Gary Payton. Well, Gary Payton, alumni of Oregon State. You Absolutely. Know? And his son, Gary Payton Jr., also an alumnus of Oregon State. But the glove, I used to love the glove. He was awesome. He was one of my – oh, glove was – I love. I used to love and, – and we got a buddy, you know, Tom Skelly, when we used to play uh, the video game with, the, with basketball, with the NBA Live or whatever it was yeah. called, his favorite player was always Sean Kemp. You know, the big power forward of a dunk, yeah, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp with yeah. a two-headed monster along with Detlef Shrimp that, you know, made it to the finals against Jordan. Glove was great. He was a tremendous point guard, great defensive player, good all-around point guard. 
played angry, always yeah. looked like he was really, you know, just ticked off on the court, wanted to take your head off. Uh, you got to like guys that are competitive like that. But he's an Oregon State alumnus, so, you know, maybe a little power of the glove, but I think lower Chicago, I think they're, they're playing real. And, the, and the, the big white dude in there, dude, that, that Kriftus or whatever his name is, the he was the conference player of the year. Uh, the white guy with a little cheesy mustache looks like Farva right. from, from Super Troopers. Uh, you know, he, he's playing really well. He was conference player of the year, and he's not a, a very athletic-looking dude. He looks a lot like Luke Garz, a big white dude who's slow, right. but he's, he's a good ball player. So Loyola He's Chicago, got some good post moves. You watch him play. He can move his feet. Yeah. he got some moves down low. He's not, you know, he's not dunking. No highlight reel dunks, but sometimes you don't need that. Sometimes you just need a, you know, a good solid layup, and two points, we're on our way. Right. So Loyola Chicago, Oregon State. I'm going to probably take – I'm going to take Loyola Chicago there. I, I, I like the Oregon State feel-good story coming out of the Pac-12, but I think Loyola Chicago, they've shown they can play with the big boys, and they've done it. So, you know, what do you think? Anybody? Yeah, I would, I, I'm would. i taking Loyola Chicago. I, I put my call in for them. Luke, what do you think? Who, who do you like in that game? You know, I, I do like Loyola Chicago, but Oregon State, at the beginning of the season, they were the least likely team to win the Pac-12, and then they come in and sweep the Pac-12 and win it all and become a 12 seed. And then they beat a good Cade Cunningham, Oklahoma State team, and Tennessee. You know, I think they're going to come in with a lot of confidence, and I think it's going to be a really good game. But I think Loyal Chicago and their betterism with that white center is going to come in and just hit a few late buckets and win by maybe four or five at the end. The power of Sister Jean, maybe they'll, you know, They'll use her uh, her sideline presence to help them get through this. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. <laughs> they need it. All right, last game, and it's this is going to be the ending game on Saturday night, the 27th. Like I said, I'm still getting used to, you know, these games are supposed to be played Thursday and Friday. Right. We're doing them Saturday, Sunday, and then into Monday, Tuesday, but we're, we're getting used to it. Syracuse-Houston, I'm fascinated by this matchup. Can anybody break the Syracuse zone? Is Buddy Bayheim going to continue on his magical ride here? Houston survived the scare. We talked about that. Rutgers had them beat. They let them back in the game. They even allowed them to miss a few foul shots down the, down the stretch and still let them back in the game inexplicably. Houston's very talented. I saw a stat that they're the number one team in college basketball in terms of it's been something like 200 games or whatever the exact numbers, I forget, since they've lost two games in a row. I saw the exact same stat. Now, look, it doesn't matter in the tournament that much. It's not a, you know, it's not the college baseball world series right. where it's a double elimination, but that just at least tells me that huh, when, when Houston is far and ahead, far and away ahead of any other school in the country that they've never lost back-to-back games for basically, I don't know, four or five years or whatever it is, that kind of stood out to me. It should be a very interesting matchup. Syracuse is dangerous. They're better than an 11 seed. They obviously have the program history. They have a coach that's been there longer than the tournament's been around just about. Um, They have length. They have the defense. If they can shoot it and continue to, you know, stifle the Houston's, I think Houston's a better team. They're probably a little more athletic, a little little bit better on a man-to-man end and things like that. I'm going to stick with Houston just because I picked them at the very beginning, so I can't, you know, throw them off off the train now, but Syracuse, I think is going to be dangerous in that game. Should be an interesting matchup. Should be a fun game to watch. 
Well, you know, that, that, that three, two zone, they play or two, three, however they want to dress it up. I mean, they're so, and they, they really stretch the floor in that zone. It's not like, you know, when you see a team playing a two, one, two zone, everyone's tucked in on the box. These dudes are out on the wings yeah. and they make the passing lanes harder to reach and they know how to play. It's that's like I said, that's their identity. They've been playing the zone defense with Bayheim since he's been there. They're not doing something different. Now, maybe they'll match up and play some man to man if they had to, or press, but I mean, that three, two zone they play is tough. And if you're not shooting well, from the outside it makes it even tougher so uh, i like syracuse in that matchup you know the, the buddy Bayheim story the, the father son feel another feel good story but you know, houston is the team that's dangerous that no one's talking about until yep. right now i mean no one talked about houston all year you know they, they were the, probably the least talked about team it was always gonzaga and baylor and houston you know they went 24 and 3 in the regular season and they're, they're pretty good. So they've, they have 26 wins as well. I mean, so they're, they're, to only lose three games this year and handle Cincinnati like they did in the, in the AAC championship game by 35-something points. And, and the Bearcats aren't a terrible team. They're not 35 points worse than Houston, but you know, Houston may look real easy. And they're, they're tough. I, I, I like Houston there. I mean, they're, they're going to be tough to beat. Uh, you could see Houston-Baylor, you know, final four game. That, that'd, be a, that'd be an interesting matchup right there. That's for sure. Luke, who do you like in Syracuse, Houston? Who are you taking? You know, I like the way Buddy Beheim played against San Diego State. He maybe had 15 of the first 18 points for Syracuse, and they couldn't stop him. He didn't miss anything. I like Syracuse in that. And if Houston doesn't shoot the ball well, they lose. If they get out and get maybe Syracuse to get out of that zone, just shoot the ball really well, get up and down the court, I think Houston wins. And if Houston – gets down the court before Syracuse can set up the zone. I think Houston wins, but I don't think they can do that. And I think Syracuse pulls it out. 11 seed over a two. That's well. he's, he's picking all the, he, he was proud of himself. He got himself involved in one of those second chance brackets. So now he's like, he's re he's rebacking his bracket and doing it over again. So he's in one of those second, maybe I'll do a second chance bracket since things are more parlayed because a little more cut and dry. You're not going to see the big, huge, you know, yeah, you might see an oral Roberts over Arkansas upset, but you're not gonna see the huge, you know, 11 versus, I mean, if you see 11 versus two upset here, Syracuse, uh, Houston, that's a huge upset in my opinion. But like you said, maybe Syracuse is better than 11 seed. I don't know. We have as, we have more 11 seeds left than we have three seeds. Wow. We have as many 12 seeds left as we have four seeds. Three of the number ones are still alive, so I'll give them credit. All three, three out of the four, they're in Illinois, they're still alive. I, I, I just have a feeling Michigan is hanging on by a thread. I don't know. I just get, I just get that feeling, and I could be dead wrong about them. Um, it should be an interesting matchup. It's going to be an interesting weekend. I think Houston's going to survive against Syracuse, but I think that is probably going to be the best game that we're going to watch this weekend. I just have a funny feeling that that's going to come right down to the wire. Like to see, you know, the first day of the tournament, we had a bunch of games go into overtime, including the play-in games with Michigan State and UCLA. Would like to see some more overtime games, uh, maybe even a double overtime. Ooh. And and to me, the story of this tournament is not so much who's here and who's left in the Sweet 16 as who's not here. Right. You know, there's no Coach K. There's no Duke. There's no Kentucky. We ran down the list. We know all the teams that are not here. But that really stands out as kind of the theme of maybe this – now, maybe you could just say it's a COVID year. We didn't have a tournament last year, so everything is kind of different. But maybe this is the – Chats is going to hate me for this – the new normal of where <laughs> college basketball is going, that you're going to see some of these up-and-coming programs that they're not getting the one-and-done guys. They're not getting necessarily the five-star number two in the nation recruit because, oh, by the way, that guy's coming to Kentucky for a year and then he's bolting for the NBA – I'd rather have guys that are going to be there for three or four years, build right. a team, 
get a game plan and every year we get a little bit better. I think Alabama fits that bill. I think Iowa fit that bill, but obviously, you know, Iowa just doesn't play any defense and they were too slow and Oregon just exposed them. Um, but I think you're seeing some of these teams that have more year to year growth rather than we're just going to make a big splash, get the top three recruits in the country and make a run at it. That doesn't seem to be working for these teams very much anymore. Well, you know, there's 272 teams playing division one basketball right now in the country. So now we're down to the final 16, you know, and here's a, a funny story that I, I didn't mention earlier that made me think about this. And Luke knew about this earlier. So, you know, he's really been paying attention. There's a kid on Ohio university's team. He was their starting point guard. He was a bench player in high school. He averaged two points a game in high school. Um, and then they saw him ball out in an AU tournament somewhere, and OU offered him, Ohio University offered him a scholarship. He's now playing in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, coach, some of these coaches, these mid-majors, are doing a good job of, like, turning over every rock and finding talent, and, de- and they're doing development. Mark Few and Gonzaga develops his players. You know, yeah, the Suggs kid was probably the number one recruit coming out of the country, out of high school for both football and basketball. He chose basketball, Gonzaga. Wow. But he he develops players, coaches that are like Jay Wright develops players at Villanova. Like they don't Villanova doesn't get a bunch of five star recruits. They're all going like I said. They're going to Kentucky. They're going to Kansas, and leaving after a year or two. Duke, Carolina, right? Exactly. Those those maybe that formula is not trying to and and Calipari is getting a lot of heat here in Big Blue Nation down here in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. They're not there. They're at home watching. And now some of their players are transferring and some are going to the pros and blah, blah, blah. You know, Jim Beheim develops talent. I mean, I wonder if he gets guys that fits his system too. has a system plugs guys in, you know, Huggins the same kind of way. Although, you know, he's not there not in the sweet 16, but I think the message is the same. The theme is the same of what these guys are building. They're building something and they're not just plucking something for a year and then rebranding it. Right. Calipari there for a while was Teflon. You couldn't say anything. He was the one and done champion and he was rolling teams into the, into the fun. He hasn't been there very much lately at all. Kentucky's fell on some hard times. I mean, you know, better than anybody being down in the bluegrass state. It's been a while since Kentucky won a national championship. Right. And you know, look, look at Nate Oates in Alabama. He overall, he's 41 and 21 at Alabama in two years, 42 and 21 in two years, Alabama. Last year, they weren't very good. You know, so he can, and this guy's a former math teacher at, at, in Michigan at Romeo High School in Michigan, math teacher, basketball coach, goes to the University of Oakland, goes to Buffalo, and now he's at Alabama, and they just signed him to a, a contract extension, thank God. So you know, he's he's just popular right now on campus at, in Tuscaloosa as Nick Saban. You know, I, I hmm. dare I say that, you know, he's been, he's, he's, he's never going to supplant Nick Saban until he wins right. like four or five, but I mean, he's really popular right now in Alabama, you know, Coleman Coliseum is going to be rocking next year. If it's open, I think they're open up a new Coliseum, but you know, these guys are developing talent, you know, UCLA that for a while dropped off. They're back in the mix, you know, Leonard Hamilton, Florida state's doing a good, there's some good coaches in the sweet 16 and some of these mid-major coaches, I'm sure Loyal of Chicago's coach is going to be getting some phone calls at the end of the season. I mean, he deserves a phone call from somebody. You know, some of these jobs that need to be filled. Uh, you know, Bayheim's not going anywhere. He'll probably die in his chair at, on the Syracuse sidelines. So. His grandson will be playing there. It'll be Billy Bayheim 25 <laughs> years from now hitting threes. It'll be his right. grandson playing. 
Yeah, yeah right. and he, you know, you brought up coaches like that. Kelvin Sampson is the coach at Houston. He yep. was at Oklahoma for a while, went to Indiana, really didn't have a very, you know, kind of left there unceremoniously. In other words, these guys are hungry to get back to it. Houston's been good for a couple of years now. Last time we had a tournament, I think they were about a three seed. They had a very good, solid team. Last year, obviously, with COVID, everything got shut down. So who knows what would happen? But like you said, Houston is the team that has a two seed. Nobody's talking about, nobody's really talked about the entire season. They're not slipping in as a six or a seven. They had a chance to almost be a one seed. Now, maybe some of their conference play is not up to, you know, the level of Big Ten and Pac-12 and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm sticking with Houston Gonzaga as my final. I think Florida State's making it to the final four. And I think Arkansas from the south is making it to the final four. If I had to kind of, you know, redo, redo my, re-bracket it and, and take it from this point forward. Right. Any final thoughts from you guys? Who's going to be there? So now we're going from 16 to four. Like I said, in my opinion, this is the best part of the tournament because you get interesting matchups. The pretenders are gone. The contenders are here. The Cinderella's turn into legitimate stories. Some of these teams that you can't believe are still there. They're either Loyola of Chicago or Oregon State is going to be in the Elite Eight. There's no right. question about it. USC or Oregon is going to be in the Elite Eight with a shot to knock off probably Gonzaga to get to the Final Four. So this is the meat of the tournament. Getting to the final four is that final step to, you know, that's base camp before we make the final summit to Everest. Here's the final base camp to to make the final push. And just getting to there is an accomplishment. Obviously, you want to win it all. I think in Gonzaga's case, they do have to win it all in order to consider it um, a successful season. I think everybody else, Baylor included, if they make the final four, they've had a very good run. Where it goes from there, we'll see. Who's your finals right now based on the 16 teams that are left? Who's going to be in the final four? Shads, what do you think? You go first, Luke. Um, I think Gonzaga's going to come out of there. Unfortunately, I want Oregon to make a run, but I don't think they will. I think Gonzaga will come out of the West. I like Arkansas out of the South. I really do. I like the Yeah, Oregon me too. Right now. Um, I think I think Loyola Chicago is going to make another final four run like they did two years ago. Or Loyola Chicago or Syracuse, but I think I'm going to go with Loyola Chicago. And then I, I was, obviously I'm going to take Bama. I think okay. Bama's playing well. If they shoot the ball well, they win the whole thing. But if they, they just suddenly get cold, their defense is really going to have to step it up. But I think it's Alabama out of the East, and that's my final four. Huh, so I'm tough. So I, I hate making choices. I mean, I have a hard enough time picking what we're having for dinner tonight. So picking the final four here is going to be tough. So I'm going to go with – I'm going to say Oregon upsets Gonzaga. Okay, hmm. Oregon, Oregon upsets Gonzaga. I'm gonna take Alabama over Michigan. I think Michigan. I think Michigan somehow is gonna sneak in and beat Florida State. I think it's gonna be uh, Baylor. I like Baylor a lot, and I think it's gonna be. I'm gonna go with my man Jim Beheim and Syracuse coming out of the Midwest. So Syracuse, Baylor, Alabama, Oregon. So let me let me highlight these: Oregon, Alabama, Baylor. The Q's is in the house. For me. So no, no Gonzaga for Schatzer should be that would be a major upset if somebody can come out of the West other than Gonzaga, which whether it's the five, the six, or the seven, doesn't matter. It's going to be a major upset that Gonzaga is not there because they are, as we've talked about, they're the best team. They are primed and ready for their run. Can they do it? They need to win three more games, um, actually four more games. Excuse me, to in order to hoist the trophy and say they've had an undefeated season. They're two and zero so far. You need to go other than playing teams, but forget them. You need to go six and zero in the tournament in order to win it all. They're a third of the way there. 
We'll I mean, see what happens. There's, there's going to be some intense basketball coming up the next, you know, four days, the four days of you know Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. It's going to be great on a Tuesday night. There's nothing on TV on Tuesday night, but some good old basketball. So, you know, we'll see. And that's what, that's what we're here for. I mean, we're here to enjoy these, these next uh, games, this final 16 teams. Um, I'm sure all their campuses are buzzing right now. I mean, unfortunately, you're not going to have a lot of fans in the crowd, but Hey, their campuses are probably rocking and rolling. I know uh, Amy Howe put a, a post on Facebook. Her son goes to Villanova, and he he sent a picture to her of the quad after they beat uh, North Texas. You know, they were burning stuff, and I was like, oh, 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 must be, you know, celebration. Let's burn something. So it's college life. So here we are, man. I'm looking forward to it. Maybe we need to get together on uh, next Tuesday night. Well, maybe it have to be Wednesday night after uh, Tuesday night up late watching basketball. I mean, right. we could have talked last night, but I was up late watching basketball last night. So, you know. It's been uh, a fun tournament so far. It's been great talking about it with you guys, Luke. Another good job. We expect to have you back. You know, you've been with us on our preview edition. You were here with us on our, you know, Sweet 16 edition. Make sure you're back when we do Final Four recap of the draft. Um, it's interesting to get the younger guys' perspective, and you've taught us definitely some things, whether it's Max McClung or, you know, some of these guys with their NBA draft status. Um, you've done a good job, so we look forward to having you back. Thanks for having me. Man, right, always good as always good as always talking sports with you, my, my sports podcast partner. And join us is episode number 11 of Over Under. So, hey, here we go. You know, uh, thanks for we joining will, us, everybody. We will see you guys after the Sweet 16. We'll be back for a Final Four preview and a gear up. And no, we're going to start talking NBA. We've got to start talking baseball is going to be starting very soon. We can start looking at, you know, if there's anything in NFL free agency. Um, a lot of we'll have a lot to talk about. The Masters will be coming up. Maybe we'll just throw a quick five minute piece on the Masters in there, a tradition unlike any other. <laughs> well, it's a spring like the Masters. I mean, you know, I, I know we, have, we said we were going to talk NFL, but man, there's a lot of action. I've seen a lot of mock drafts coming up with some trades. You know, oh, yeah. Panthers it's be fun. Get Justin Fields. So, so, hey, let's get these next two weeks of basketball and we'll talk some more. Put NFL. a bow on it. That's put right. a bow on it and, and we'll see if Gonzaga can put a bow on their undefeated season. That in a way is the story, you know, or Roberts is a story. The teams that are, should not be there is a story. And the biggest story going forward is going to be, can Gonzaga do it and go undefeated? So stay tuned. This is what makes March great. This is why it's called March madness. You've been listening to Schatzer and Schatzer and Mesmer for another <laughs> episode of over under. We'll see you soon. Enjoy the games. Bye everybody.